Hello, and welcome to the IQT Podcast. Today's episode is hosted by BeNext, the life sciences arm of IQT that continues to identify, vet, and execute strategic investments in biotechnologies. BeNext's work is dedicated to the essential task of scaling up and industrializing the rapid design and manufacturing of medical countermeasures, particularly diagnostics and vaccines. This podcast series focuses on the technologies needed to fight the threat that infectious disease epidemics pose to national security and beyond. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hi, I'm Kevin O'Connell, Vice President at BeNext, which is the life science arm of IQT, singularly focused on the threats infectious disease epidemics pose to national security. Thanks for being with us today. Today, our guest is Troy Moore, this chief science officer and co-founder of Kylos Genetics, an IQT portfolio company. Thanks for joining us today, Troy. My pleasure, Kevin. It's great to be here. Just to bring our listeners up to speed, can you give us a little bit of background on Kylos Genetics and what uh, what you do there? Sure, I'll be happy to. So Kylos is about a decade old. We are a resident company at a very unique facility called the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. We're located in Huntsville, Alabama. It's an interesting environment where we bring together academic research with about 40 different uh, biotech companies. Um, Kylos is one of those companies that's been there since the beginning. We focus primarily on developing genetic tests that are based on DNA sequencing, very high throughput DNA sequencing. Unlike a lot of the diagnostic companies, we are very uh, technology focused. So we spent the uh, almost the first half of our uh, existence developing technologies to reach into the genome pull particular regions out and then interrogate them very deeply through sequencing. And so we have a whole uh, toolbox, if you will, of ways of doing that, depending on which applications we're we're looking at. And what are your sort of mainline commercial applications right now? Yeah. So, you know, back in the the old days, (laughs) pre-pandemic times, right, we would uh, focus mostly on what we call germline uh, testing. So -hmm. these are things that are, you know, passed down from uh, across generations, right? And, and primarily looking at things like hereditary cancer risk, breast mm-hmm. cancer, pancreatic cancers, things like that. And then also uh, pharmacogenetics, or how do people respond to medications? Would you say that Kylos Genetics fell into the category of personalized medicine, uh, uh, genomics or personalized medicine? Very much so. You know, in fact, when we started the company, we almost gave up in, before we even filed all the documents because we went to a, a big meeting around personalized genomes. Mm-hmm. And everybody at the meeting was talking about how we're going to sequence everybody's genome next year in the clinic. Uh-huh. We, we walked away from that going, this is horrible. And then on the last day of the meeting, a pathologist stood up and he said, would all the physicians in the room raise their hand? And he was the only one. Yeah. Everybody else were scientists, <laughs> right? <laughs> he was, let me so, tell you how medicine's going to work, right? And here we are 10 years later, and we're still not anywhere near to sequencing everybody's genome, you know, as they're right. born. Right. So, so I'm also a customer of 23andMe, and they tell you something about your genotype at various positions that are associated with you know, risk of certain disease or certain phenotypes. How does what Kylos does differ from what you get from 23andMe? Yeah, it's interesting. So in a lot of ways, not at all. In a lot of ways, very much so. So mm-hmm. we are a clinical testing laboratory. So our results are used by physicians to modify care for patients. Mm -hmm. So we have to meet a certain standard of quality and reportability and um, security of the information, right? So, you know, 
we don't share anyone's information. We're bound by HIPAA and other regulations that says we can't share your medical information. Whereas groups like 23andMe and such are known to, to sell that data, right? That's part of their mm -hmm. business model. We also interrogate things in a way using sequencing, right? Which is a much higher quality of information. Mm -hmm. So we're actually looking at each A, T, C, and G. We're looking at it millions of times and being absolutely sure of what we're calling. Because if, if we report to someone that they have an increased risk of pancreatic cancer, mm -hmm. we want that to be true, right? Mm -hmm. Something like a 23andMe assay, you know, they've broken ground in a lot of ways, right? Mm -hmm. and, and for that, we're very thankful that, you know, for instance, they test for two BRCA variants, right? Mm -hmm. but only two bases out of 3 billion they report on that would increase mm -hmm. your risk. And most people are unlikely to have those. Right. We sequence every bit of the DNA for the BRCA genes and we report any variations that we find in there, right? So mm -hmm. this is a different level of quality, right? One is sort of recreational, right? Mm -hmm. Or informative, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. the other is, is clinical. Mm -hmm. Right. And a physician is always in the loop when Kylos Genetics services are, are, are undertaken. Isn't that correct? Yeah, we get that a lot. People come to our website. And you can buy, you, you know, Kevin O'Connell could go on there and uh, order a hereditary cancer risk uh, test today. Mm -hmm. But one of the questions we ask you is, who's your physician? Mm -hmm. right? And then we reach out to that physician. We get their authorization. They get the reports back first. Mm -hmm. Three days later, then it would go to you. So you mentioned, of course, you know, the division we all have in our heads, you know, the, the pre-pandemic time and now the current pandemic time. So Kylos has pivoted somewhat in terms of its uh, R&D activity. Um, are you still offering personalized genomics or has you have you suspended that business in your pivot? Or, of course, you've moved now to a COVID testing product that you're working on. Yeah, so we, we do offer still the same testing that we always have. And, you know, we, all, we we've choked a little bit about, you know, every time we've started a company in years past, it's been after some great calamity, whether it be the <laughs> dot-com bubble bursting or the Great Recession when we started uh, Kylos, you know, we should have just started a new company uh, <laughs> when the pandemic broke, right? But but instead we pitted at Kylos. We, we decided, you know, we could either bunker down and just try to ride it out uh, as a lot of our fellow labs have done, or um, we could move into COVID testing. Mm -hmm. But as I mentioned to you before, we're a sequencing based organization and that's a little bit more expensive way of doing things. It's higher mm -hmm. quality in a lot of ways, but it's more expensive. Uh, and so we were a bit reticent just to jump in and start testing everybody that we could. We're not sure we're the right solution for that. So we spent about the first month and a half of the pandemic trying to think through what was really going to be needed and whether or not Kylos had a role to play in that. What we ultimately came about with was we could. There were you know, serious supply chain issues that were occurring. Right? There were turnaround time issues, not enough testing uh, and, and not everybody was, was able to access a test. Right? Mm -hmm. And so we began and thinking, well, true. Yeah. <laughs> unfortunately it is. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. Uh, I guess I should say, you know, what I'm telling you doesn't necessarily reflect the opinions of the company. And I'll just say that, you know, I think that's a travesty, right? We, yes. we uh -huh. as a nation, right. Personally, I believe we, we should have a national program for testing. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's really hindered us. So Kylos has, has focused on, how do we create safe environments for people to return to work or school uh, or, you know, sort of their daily lives, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if you're showing symptoms, you need to go see, you know, a, a hospital type setting, right? Mm -hmm. If you've been ex knowingly exposed and you think you're at high risk, you should go see care at a hospital or a medical center, right? Mm -hmm. But if you're going to work every day or you're going to school, 
you want to have that confidence that you know you're not going to get sick tomorrow, right? Or that you haven't been infected, but you're not the highest priority for our healthcare system. Mm-hmm. So that's the the realm that Kylos was trying to bring some testing capabilities to. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if if uh, you're going to you know I talked to a nonprofit uh, recently, right, and they they work with uh, sexually abused children. Mm-hmm. Right? They have to go into work. Right? They, mm-hmm. they, that doesn't stop just because of the pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. But their 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 staff is terrified, right? Sure. We've seen a lot mm-hmm. of people that are coming in, police officers mm-hmm. and parents, and you know all that, right? So it's much like health healthcare workers, but they don't get the same level of focus, right? And so mm-hmm. we're trying to bring that kind of testing, and and basically the the real key to what we do is we want to make it to where somebody can be tested often. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we put a tremendous amount of effort in trying to think how do, how does that work, right? At the time, back when the pandemic broke, right, everybody's having to do nasopharyngeal swabs. You know, the the brain scrapings, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They were starting to move towards well, maybe you can just push it, you know, up your nose to where your eyes water, but it's not back <laughs> your skull, right? Uh-huh. None, none of those seemed very good if you wanted to test somebody, you know, a couple times a week, right? Uh-huh. And, you know, we've interacted with some football players, right, on, on some of the SEC teams and such. And, you know, they've complained about that, right? They get tested three or four times a week. And that's right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, those are big, tough guys, right? They don't like right. it. Happen. So <laughs> we really focused on a way of, so you just do a, a saline yeah. rinse, right? You just gargle with this. a little bit Of, of the mouth of the mouth and the throat. Yes, right. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a... A virus that likes to live in your nasal passages, right? It's a respiratory mm-hmm. virus. So we, we presume that you could gargle with the, with the salt water, and when you uh, spit it back out, the virus would be contained in there. And the question would be, would you have sufficient amounts? We proved out that it, that you could, in fact, do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so the biggest complaint we get now is, you know, that tastes kind of bad. We'd like a mint or something, maybe. Huh. <laughs> yeah, and so then. Pooling is a little bit more expensive, or I'm sorry, sequencing is a little bit more expensive. And so we began experimenting with, could we do things like pooling, right? Could we bring together a lot of samples into one and test those? Mm-hmm. Um, there's a fair amount of literature that was beginning to emerge that said, you know, you might be able to use uh, RT-PCR, the sort of the gold standard assay out there, right? Uh-huh. Uh, and you might be able to combine four or five samples together and, mm-hmm. and get, get good results. Maybe not as good, but pretty close. Right. Because every time you add more samples together, you dilute the samples in each other, as it were. Right. And if only one of the 10 does, you may have a a factor of 10 lower sensitivity, depending upon how you do that combining. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking at symptomatic patients, you know, they're loaded with virus. Right. Sure. So Mm -hmm. diluting that probably isn't a big, big issue. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you're trying to catch people early in the infection, Right before they start showing symptoms or right as they're starting to show symptoms, then you need to their be very vi- yeah. Their viral load is going to be lighter potentially. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So there was there was a lot of concern about pooling methodologies. What Kylos does right is that reach into the genome, grab portions out, and then deeply sequence it. And so that capture and enrichment methodology we adapted to work with COVID, the COVID virus. Mm-hmm. So that we could collect these samples, pull them together, reach in and just grab the COVID virus that's present, mm-hmm. and then enrich that and sequence it. Right. And 
And when we do that, we don't suffer from the dilution effects that you were just describing. Mm -hmm. So routinely we pull together 25 people, mm -hmm. 25 samples and sequence them. Uh, recently, well, early on, we experimented with doing a hundred. We weren't quite all tuned in good enough. It, it looked like it would work, but we, you know, that was a big step, you know, to go from four or five to 25 to a hundred. Mm -hmm. So we, we finally focused on doing 25 at a time. So immediately, right, we need 25 less of all the reagents. And we spread that cost across now 25 different samples. Right? Mm -hmm. So that began to look like it was, was plausible. Right? Um, and so we, there was a lot of development work that went into it. It took us you know, a couple of months to get all of that work worked out. And then, you know, of course, you have to establish clinical uh, pipelines where you can get samples of patients that are known to be tested mm -hmm. positive and then test them with this and compare the two. So, mm -hmm. um, but all that's working, right? That's, that's what we do. And that's what we um, uh, eventually decided to take to the FDA to ask for their permission. So, so well, that's, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned FDA. We'll come back to them in just a second. Earlier, you mentioned sort of the frequency of testing. It's, you know, if you're going to be going to work on a regular basis, of course, out in, in, in the world, because you need to be for your job, you need to be tested more frequently, or ideally you would be. How do you determine what that frequency is? And does that have anything to do, is there an interaction there between how often you test people and what the incidence, uh, the prevalence of the virus is in the community? Yeah, it's, it's, it's it becomes very complicated, right? We're, none mm -hmm. of us, we've heard about all the sports bubbles, right? Where right. those players were tested daily and they lived in their own little isolated community. But, and, and so that term became kind of popular, right? Everybody's trying to mm -hmm. live in their own bubble, but we really don't, right? I mean, we all have to go to the grocery store. We have to go, you know, see somebody that we're taking care of or something, right? And so, mm -hmm. yeah, we, we built some models, a modeling software that was based on a lot of what's done in epidemiology and then trying to, to think about a, how do you adapt that to testing models, right? And so, mm -hmm. We typically would ask an organization, you know, how many people do they have? How many capsules do they have? We refer to capsules as being isolated or semi-isolated populations, right? I work mm -hmm. in building A, Joe works in building B. So that's two capsules, right? Mm -hmm. um, what's your community rate of infection? Mm -hmm. uh, what's been your rate? Are you in a high, high exposure environment, right? A, a restaurant has mm -hmm. a much different exposure environment than an office, right? Right. And so we mm -hmm. have some factors built in to weigh those. So there's lots of mm -hmm. variables that go into the modeling software mm -hmm. um, that predicts then how often should you have to test to get mm -hmm. to what reduction in prevalence do you want? Is this part of the service uh, that you provide as well? I mean, you sort of, you interview and you, you take data from kind of metadata around the customer and enter it into the model and help them come up with a, a testing frequency that works for them? Yeah, so we, we do that. We, we ask all this information and then we take it back and come back to them with a couple of different models. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why we come back with a couple of different ones is ultimately it does also come down to some logistics, right? Mm -hmm. What's really reasonable to collect mm -hmm. from your, your, your employees or your organization? And then two, what's the cost of doing this, right? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you know, if you go test at uh, one of the, the drive-up clinics or something, you know, it could cost 50 or $100 or more, right? Right. And if you think about testing that on a regular basis, you, you know, most places can't afford to do that, you know, three or four right. times a week, right? Right. So right. we want to give them a, a range and then talk through what's really going to work for them and make it, mm -hmm. you know, a solution that works 
Sure. It has to be both. It has to be the, you have to get good data back to them. And of course it has to be data that's sufficiently timely for them to act upon. That's right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And usually what they're most surprised about is that, is that part, right? We're, mm -hmm. we're very conditioned to believe that, you know, if I'm sick, I need to get tested and know the results so I don't spread it. Right. Uh -huh. But in this kind of scenario, testing consistently, even with the lags in turnaround time and, and, and those kind of things, mm -hmm. you, it, it's not as critical as you would imagine to get results like the next day. It's mm -hmm. more important that you just do it every few days. Right. Right. I see. Okay. Okay. So, uh, so what's the name of the service? Kylos Assure Sentinel Testing. Okay. And you mentioned the FDA earlier. I presume you need an, F an FDA authorization to, to bring this test to market? Yes. So we've submitted it to the FDA and with, along with that submission that permits you to begin testing. Right. So uh -huh. once you've done the validation work and you've submitted mm -hmm. it to them, they, they do an initial review of it. And if they don't see anything, you know, really wrong, then you're permitted to go ahead and start. So we are doing testing for folks, uh, uh -huh. several different organizations, um, but we are also working with the FDA to get a full emergency use authorization for this test. I see. Terrific. Uh-huh. Yeah. And you mentioned also logistics. So are you looking, you know, largely at the Huntsville area, Alabama, the Southeast United States, you know, sort of what's, what's kind of your effective radius of, you know, how, how, how wide you're casting your marketing net and, and what's the practical sort of limit of the, of the size of the radius, you know, for your service from, from Huntsville? So we're reaching all the way across the U.S. I mean, we're having some interactions with groups out in California and, and mm -hmm. Southwest and such. It adds, you know, shipping time, obviously, mm -hmm. right? They have to ship it to us. But again, it's again, more important just to do that testing routinely than it is to get the results back immediately. So we do have an emphasis in the Southeast, in Alabama in particular. That's where we're located. It's the community we're in. And we're trying to be as helpful in that regard as possible. Um, mm -hmm. But we are working with some national groups that work with employers and other organizations to collect samples and get them shipped to the right solution for them. Right. right. So we, we are reaching out nationwide. Okay. And what is your capacity for, for testing when, you know, on the day that you opened up, you, you put out your, your shingle for business. Did you, are you, are you close to topping out in capacity? If you fill the capacity you have, do you have uh, means of, of finding partners to do additional sequencing with you? How does that, how do you see the scaling? Yeah, so our lab is a relatively small lab comparatively to the lab cores and quests and such of the world, right? Mm -hmm. um, so we do have a limited amount of capacity. Uh, we can do still, though, several thousand samples a day. To increase that is really more of a skills issue, right? Mm -hmm. We need skilled people to come in to handle those samples. And so we are, you know, constantly trying to balance that hiring versus not over hiring, right? And, and right. let people go, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the main issue. We can enable other people, provided the FDA would allow us to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, we can enable them with the reagentry and the protocols and things like that. So mm -hmm. it's not out of the question that we could have, you know, satellites set up, you know, the West Coast or East Coast or whatever. Sure. Uh, as long as they can do DNA sequencing, they would be able to run this protocol. Right. Now, the Hudson Alpha Institute, which is sort of your parent institute where you're, where you're lodged, also has a, a really rather massive sequencing capacity in-house in a large core facility there. And is, is that a collaborative effort that you have going with them? Or, is this, or are you sequencing entirely on your, within just the Kylos business itself? Yeah, so we are doing all the sequencing within Kylos itself. 
Mm -hmm. um, so we have a, a variety of different types of sequencers to do that. Hudson Alpha is one of the largest sequencing centers in the world, which is incredibly powerful if you get to that volume, right? right. So some of those sequencers uh, take a large amount of volume in order to run to, effectively. Uh, economically, right, yeah. sure. So, yes. uh -huh. um, and, and, a, and a pooled strategy also, you know, we're, we're trying to collapse down what, what normally you could put on one, uh, you, you'd have to put on five or six sequencers, we can put on one mm -hmm. sequencer as it is right. today, right? So uh -huh. for instance, in one 96 well plate that we run, that would hold 5,000 samples. Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh -huh. So, and, and we can sequence close to 30 pools just on a benchtop sequencer. Right? Uh -huh. So yeah, the right. sequencing capacity hasn't been the issue. Um, uh -huh. When you start it's handling it's everything tens else. of thousands it's, of samples, it's everything right. else. Yeah. Yes. Uh -huh. Absolutely. Well, that is that is fascinating. So, what does the future hold for Kylos going forward? I mean, uh, having this, you've invested a tremendous amount of effort in developing Kylos Assure, and you know, God willing, the the pandemic will uh, abate. You know, uh, with the advent and the, the dissemination of vaccines, about which there's been pretty uniformly good news, really, since the since the inception of the vaccine development programs, even back in the spring, the primate data was promising. And and now we're on the verge of FDA approval. Of course, they're distributing in the UK and Canadians uh, have also just approved the Pfizer vaccine. And so more of this is going to accelerate. Is there a future for in infectious disease testing or sort of population scale testing for anything that uh, you might uh, sort of turn your attention to going forward? Yeah, I think this has opened the doors to us. We've often thought about infectious disease testing, but again, the, the cost dynamics, we didn't think were appropriate, but this has kind mm -hmm. of opened our eyes that maybe that's not true, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, I think in 2021, it's incredibly good news to see all the data coming out about the different vaccines, right? That's right. just mm -hmm. incredible. But, you know, there is a priority, right, of mm -hmm. vaccinating healthcare workers and older people and things like that. And, and our primary spreaders mm -hmm. <laughs> at the schools and such are going to be the last, right? Right. And so uh -huh. we, we do think that there's a, at least through 2021, there's a, a screening opportunity, right, to continue mm -hmm. applying Kylos Assure. We are continuing to work on some other advancements to uh, make the pooling more effective in, in populations where there are higher infection rates. Mm -hmm. And so we'll continue to do that. And we're adding things like RSV and influenza into the pooled testing. Mm -hmm. uh, and so, you know, our initial thoughts now is to continue to expand that, uh, looking at things where we can continue to add respiratory viruses and, and such into the panels. And then we're also beginning, we have a strong emphasis in looking at epigenetics or methylation changes mm -hmm. uh, in cancer, in the world of cancer, looking at circulating tumor DNAs. Uh -huh. And so we're beginning to look at that as well. Are there some indicators, right, that you're infected with something, COVID or influenza or something, you know, before you would even pick it up on a RT-PCR-based assay or a sequencing-based assay, right? Mm -hmm. So we're, we're trying to do some explorations around that to see if there's a way to do mass monitoring, right? So something like that. Mm -hmm. Could you do whole populations, uh, you know, screening schools or people out in the field doing field work, right? And in, in different industries, construction or the military or things like that, right? So. Right, and, and these, are, these are tests that look for the host's response to the infection rather than the presence of the path specific pathogen itself, right? That's right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. is there anything else on the horizon for, uh, for Kylos Genetics? As you if know, that wasn't enough to work on. <laughs> Well, no, our, our other businesses never stopped, right? So uh, we continue to focus on primarily the pharmacogenetics, expanding uh -huh. that, the realm of that offering. 
we have some identity tools that um, more in line with what you see from like a 23andMe, right, coming coming out uh, that I think mm-hmm. will be very uh, captivating to the market, something very different than people have seen before. So. Uh-huh. Fascinating. That's great. All right. Well, listen, Troy, thank you so much for joining us today. We, uh, you know, just as a, as a citizen and as a fellow traveler on Earth, I wish uh, you guys the very best of luck in expanding uh, the availability of COVID testing. As you mentioned earlier, uh, boy, we really need it. And we will continue to need it for many months uh, going forward. So with the surging number of cases in the U.S., of course, the testing of, for COVID-19 is more important now than ever. But testing alone isn't sufficient. Social distancing, continuing to wear masks, self-quarantining if you or a family member feel ill, and limiting travel all have worked to decrease the spread of COVID-19 earlier in this year and around the world and can still work to decrease the spread of the disease until enough people get vaccinated. So again, thanks to my terrific guest, Troy Moore, CSO and co-founder of Kylos Genetics, and to our producers, Kristen Zender and Carrie Sassine, and once again, our terrific recording engineer, Matt from HeartCast Media. Until next time, be safe and stay well. 